in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. LeBron James scored 31 points in a Lakers win over the Kings last night. Here's LeBron's last nine games. 34 points per game. He's shooting over 50% from the floor, 39% from three, averaging nine rebounds and five assists. The King. The King is playing out of his mind. Anthony Davis has missed those nine games as well. Uh, The Lakers are four and five in those nine games. They are under 500, and LeBron is playing like... I mean, this this is like... LeBron James from five, six years yeah. ago, right? This is like peak LeBron. Again, right. it's nine games, but it's they're under 500 while getting unbelievable LeBron James. Yeah. How bad are the Lakers? They're like 20 and 19 and in the seventh spot, I believe, in the West. Like this team's not going to do anything. They're going to lose no. a play in game. They could. What if Kawhi comes back? Because the play in game right now is against the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi comes back. They probably are going to lose the play in game. Like, I, it's. It's incredible. Like he is playing. Like if you told me that the Lake any any team gets peak LeBron James for a nine game stretch, I'm saying at least six and three. Yeah, they they got a winning record at least in that stretch, and they don't. And again, Anthony Davis is out, but still, like how bad is the rest of that yeah. team around LeBron James? I mean, I think Malik Monk was their second leading scorer last yes. night. So Dwight Howard, who never plays, went <laughs> I think fourteen and fourteen last night. <laughs> so not idea. By the way, did you watch the end of this game? Very end. I walked in. Uh, the son was watching. I like. I'm talking like. I I watched enough to see. Um, Anthony Davis. Uh, who was he talking to? Um, buddy. Buddy Hield. He was just sitting there, and the game was over. No, the game wasn't over, and they were still just talking at the baseline. Like the, the game's not over yet. Did but you, I watched the very end. Did you see how the Kings got screwed? No, but I saw the reaction of him walking off the court, so, so I didn't see Kings that. are down five. I believe there's about 20-something seconds left. And uh, Russell Westbrook misses a free throw. I think I get, was it De'Aaron? I think it was De'Aaron Fox, right? Doesn't touch the ball because every Russell Westbrook shoots it and everybody just ran down the floor already. Like, there was nobody there to rebound. So De'Aaron Fox doesn't touch the ball after the missed free throw, which means... The clock should not start. He right. was going to let it bounce up the floor sure. and, and try to pick it up sure. later to save some clock. But the whoever was running the clock started because they were like, oh, dear, of course, it's a missed rebound. we got to start so it right it away. it went off the back of the rim and just started bouncing. Yeah, towards the just other started way. bouncing. Right. And they started it. And so they, the ref stopped the game because the clock shouldn't have started. But because nobody had possessed the ball off the rebound, the official ruling is a jump ball. So De'Aaron Fox was the only one within 10 feet of the basketball, but he didn't touch it. He didn't possess it. And because they started the clock, the official rule is, hey, we got to go to a jump ball because De'Aaron Fox never had the ball. And De'Aaron Fox had to jump? No, you got to pick. But LeBron won the jump ball for the Lakers, and the Lakers got the ball and got fouled. Now, again, they were down. The Kings were down five with 20 something seconds left. Very unlikely that they're coming back in that scenario. But Alvin Gentry about like no, lost it. Going off the court, yes. he was completely out of his yes. mind. When the refs taught he was when they told him yeah, it's gonna be a jump ball, oh, he cussed so loud you could hear it on the TV broadcast. So they absolutely got again, probably not coming back to win the game, but absolutely got screwed because somebody at Staples Center was like, gotta start the clock right now. So right when he started it, that made it a jump. So the jump ball was the correct call. 
Yes, Alvin Gentry even said afterwards, who's the interim of Sacramento. The jump, the jump he, ball is the right call. He even said afterwards, the refs made the right decision. It's like the it's knucklehead just a, starting the clock. Right. It's just a, you know, unfortunate rule because, I mean, right. in a normal scenario, if nobody touches it and there's a king and a laker going for the ball, then, yeah, you don't know who's going to get possession. Right. But in this scenario, there wasn't a laker within 20 feet of the basketball. I mean, De'Aaron Fox had possession without ever touching it. Okay. Great question. Thank you. Tom Brady signed a ball that he threw for an interception. Uh, Jets cornerback Brandon Eichels picked off Tom Brady on Sunday and then after the game found him and asked him to sign it. Uh, Tom Brady was taken aback by it. He said that never happened before. He signed it, but then said yesterday that he's never going to do that again. He's not going to sign any more interception balls. Eh, you're Tom Brady. What do you got? Seven right? of them? Just sign the balls. Who cares? I, like, I mean, I would feel... I, I mean, I don't know who Tom Brady feels honored by. It's Tom Brady, but if someone's, it's like the, it's like the swapping of the jerseys. The losing team swaps jerseys all the time, right? I mean, you see that guys taking their shirts off, their jerseys off, and just swapping them. And obviously, one of them lost. Yeah. One of them lost the game, and they, you know, they didn't both win. I, little Brady, just sign the balls. If the I, guy wants you, likes you that much. I love this from Brandon Eichel, who I'd never heard of until I read the story. Rookie, sixth round pick. From the Jets picks off Tom Brady, and he's like, you know what? I picked off Tom bleeping Brady. Yeah, Go, where is he? I want him to <laughs> sign this because this that's probably going to be the best like artifact of Brandon Eichel's. Career. Oh, that's going on the that, that's, that's going to be the, like uh, the number one thing bookshelf. Yes, that he has. Unlo- yes. I mean, I guess he could be on a team and win a Super Bowl, right? But un- it's unlikely Brandon Eichel's is going to be like a great player in the NFL. That's probably going to be the number one thing he has. I picked off Tom Brady. And I got him to sign. I, I love this kid. I, awesome. Wonder where he got Eichels the sharpie. Someone, I guess, someone on the sideline has sharpies. Yeah, they probably some fan fell out of the stands, almost crashed <laughs> onto him. He got a sharpie from him, and they went and signed it. That's a great, great question. Hubbard Kush will not vote Aaron Rodgers for MVP. You heard some of the sound earlier, but here's what he said. I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be most valuable player. Has he been the most valuable on the field? Yeah, you could make that argument. Yeah. Hub Arkish gets an F minus fail. <laughs> if we're going to start debating good and bad guys for MVPs and postseason awards, when you actually say, could he be the most valuable in the field? Yeah, you could make that argument, but you don't like how he acted in the off season. Hub Arkish, F minus fail. So, Unbelievable. There's there's two things that happened this year off the field. Well, I'm, this is very simplistic view, but there's two things that happened off the field this year that you could argue Aaron Rodgers hurt his team, right? He did not participate in anything in the preseason and the offseason, and then they got crushed by the uh, by Saint, uh, New Orleans in the first game of the season, right? And then had the whole COVID situation. We find out he wasn't vaccinated and he had to miss a game. Right. They lost to the Saints in the first game of the year. You could go out. You could find a way and blame Aaron Rodgers for not showing up. And they lost to Kansas City in the game that Jordan Love had to start. You could blame Aaron Rodgers that they probably win that game if Aaron Rodgers plays that. But I have a hard time when he says that he punished his team and his organization because the Packers are the one seed in the NFC and they don't have to play anybody this week. Exactly. How did he punish the Packers if they're the one seed? It's not like the Packers are fighting for their playoff lives. It's not like the Packers are even fighting for seeding. They're the one seed. They they cannot be in a better position than they are right now. So 
he didn't punish the organization. Like, the, yes, sure, he punished the organization because it was a bad headlines. But as far as team success, well, nothing he did made the team less successful. And he punished the fans. Do you think they're okay with being the I, one seed? I think they'll and take it. they're going to have home games in six degrees? Yes. I don't I, think I, anybody in Green Bay is mad at Aaron Rodgers no, for that. I don't think so. Like, they might be mad this offseason if he tries to leave again. But I don't think anybody's mad because, uh-oh. Like, the only way that makes sense is if you're like, well... If Aaron Rodgers had his head screwed on straight, they'd be 16 and 0 yeah. going for a perfect going for season. The perfect season. But that's a stupid way. So that, that's how darkish is a great reason for why writers and media should not vote for awards. <laughs> and you are a writer. Oh yeah. Uh, but I I I almost think, you know, let the people who play against these guys vote for the MVP. They know best. They play against these guys on a weekly basis. And if you're Hub Arkish, how many games a week are you watching? You know, if you're covering a game. I I just I but I've always felt that way. I just think it's silly for people to choose MVPs unless you actually play against these people and you know who the best players are each week. Sorry. Next question. The Packers could franchise tag Devontae Adams this offseason. That according to Ian Rappaport, who says sources believe this is an eventuality. The Packers give Adams the franchise tag following the season before attempting to work out a long-term deal. Obviously, he will be a free agent at the end of this year. Um, the franchise tag for Devontae Adams would be around $20 million a year. We're going to have another season of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in Green Bay. I think we are. And wh- what what's happening now, though? What's happening? The only way Derek Carr gets to play with Devontae Adams if he goes to Green Bay? Apparently. Rodgers leaves and Devontae yeah. says, go ahead and get Carr, and Carr comes to Green Bay for the $40 million a year? Yeah. The only way that was what's going to happen. We're going to get Devontae Adams here. I thought that was the yeah. deal. Here's what, here, I thought Derek was bringing his guy. Here's what happened last off. Remember, we were talking in the offseason, where should the Raiders spend their money? And I was all about, hey, go get a number one wide receiver. Right. And then they all got franchise tagged. <laughs> like, yeah, none of them actually yeah. became available to go get. So that's going to happen here with Devontae Adams again. Right. Like Devontae Adams would, if again, if he was a free agent, would clearly be the number one wide receiver on the free agent market. He likes Derek Carr. He and Derek Carr have talked publicly about wanting to play with each other. And there's obviously that possibility, but the Packers aren't going to let him go when they can franchise tag no, him for $20 million. That, that's, the whole, like, that's the whole advantage of the franchise right, tag for franchises. Right. So You absolutely do that if, if you can. If you're the Packers, you currently have Aaron Rodgers under contract for next season, right? Even though the entire offseason, whatever, you still have him under contract for next season. Devonte Adams, you can franchise tag and keep him under contract for next season. You're 13 and three. Yeah. Got the best record in the NFC for the second straight season. Matt LaFleur has lost like four games in his life. You're bringing as much of yeah. that as you can back Absolutely. next year and saying, yep, yeah, let's do this yeah. again. And it might all blow up after that when Rodgers is a free agent. Well, if they win a Super Bowl in, or two, right. it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Right. But you're absolutely bringing all that back yeah. next year, regardless of what Aaron Rodgers does in the offseason, regardless of how unhappy Devontae Adams would be playing on the franchise tag. All of that's coming back. You're the, you're the one seed already. There's a, there's a game left, and you're the only one that's clinched the one seed. Like, of course you're bringing that back. Do you play Rodgers this week? Because he's got to buy. Peyton Manning asked him that. And I don't, I don't remember his exact answer because he said it was a buy. You know, he, he gets to, he, he'd have to, he'd be off what three weeks. Yeah, because he's going to get a buy. Do yeah, you, I, do you put him on the field? If he wants to play, I put him on the field. I think that's where I'm going. If he want, I, I, I think I genuinely leave it up to Aaron Rodgers. I say, Aaron, does, does his toe still hurt? I say, Aaron, how you <laughs> they feeling? They made fun of his toe, also. Right? How you feeling? Uh, if you're a hundred percent and you want to go. 
then we're going to play you. We're going to play the offense in, in week 18. Hey, your toe still hurts. Ah, sit down. We'll rest you right. up and let's go. First game of the playoffs. We're, we're making sure we got hundred percent Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty sure he has to consult with Joe Rogan before he makes any <laughs> sort of decision. Next question. The Grizzlies beat the Cavs last night. 110 to one Oh six. John Morant made the game winning shot with 10 seconds to go. He scored 26 points last night. Um, that was on the second game of a back-to-back for the Grizzlies. They didn't play particularly well, but John Morant still had the game-winning shot to beat the Cavaliers. This guy's great. I think I'm officially becoming, hey, let's get John Morant into like at least the Western Conference Finals. Can I? Oh, yeah. Can we at least get him there? Because yeah. that'll if be... If it's going to be... I'd love to see... If it's going to be um, the Warriors, I'd love to see John Morant and Steph. Yeah. That would be really cool. I think... So are we officially cheering... Four, but... Are we officially cheering for Warriors Grizzlies Western Conference Finals? Yes, the okay. way he plays. Who who it, before yes. we before we lock this in? Is there anybody else in the West we'd rather see play? Well, the second best team is Phoenix, and I've already seen that. Right, they shoot a lot of mid range jumpers. I don't like that. I mean, I I love watching LeBron, but it would be a sweep, and and they'd have no chance. I'm trying to think of the other, you know. Um, I'll t- I I will take LeBron as like the nine seed storming to the Western Conference okay. Final. All right, that would be fun. But I, I do think I'd I'm, rather have John Moran against Steph yeah. Curry. Like Jokic is fun to eh, watch, but not as much as, as John Morant. Like, I guess if Luca and the Mavs ever got it together, but that's not happening. I I think we're officially locking in. We want Grizzlies yes. Warriors yeah. as our Western Conference yeah. final. And you're right, the Warriors might sweep. I mean, the it might, they might sweep them, but it's still like be cool <laughs> watching those two guards go at it. They might sweep everybody yes. though in the Western Conference Finals. All right, coming up next. Can the Mountain West get three teams into the NCAA tournament? It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Kirk Herbstreet sound even dumber (laughs) trying to back himself up. (laughs) He came out like four days ago and was ripping kids for sitting out bowl games, saying they don't love college football. And then he tried to defend it by saying... Well, I was really talking about the kids that aren't going to have NFL careers. Those aren't the ones sitting out the no, bowl games. Exactly. The ones sitting out the bowl the first games and second round picks are the ones that are going to make all the money in yeah. the NFL. Those are two different classes of people. That's get off my lawn, guy. When yes. you say when you say kids shouldn't sit out bowl games, I'm like, absolutely, you should sit out bowl oh, games. Yes. No question about it. If you're a first round pick, well, Matt Corral got hurt. Matt Corral. He's apparently going to be fine, but that's what I was going to ask you. Was there an update on him? Uh, the last I saw is his X-ray was negative. So good, good. But that that was I'm watching that game, and it literally and as the announcer said, that's heartbreaking because a kid is what was he late first round? Yeah, he's projected to be first round, and that happens to him. And you know, he said he wanted to play with his guys one last time, and maybe if I was going to be the agent who was going to eventually sign him, I'm like, you really want to do this? But when when that happened, you just feel for that kid, and you're like, why? And the question is, why would you play in that if you're a first-round pick? They kept zooming in on his face, oh, and yeah. he has tears in oh, his yeah. eyes, and you're yeah. just like, oh, oh my you, God, poor, oh, you, my God, he's on crutches, and he's crying on the sideline. Can you imagine what's going through his head? Yeah. And then he's the only person that's comforting him is Lane Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> and he only did that for two seconds because he had to get back to the the, the guy who had never played in the, oh, the in best. College the best part was the halftime reporter going up to Lane Kiffin and going like, Oh, I know this is really this is kind of 
like this you've you've supported this kid. Well, what we need to do is we need to yeah. rally and uh, really get behind him. We got to make more offensive plays. And it's just like that wasn't the question, <laughs> hey, Lane. Matt Corral's not an Ole Miss Rebel anymore. No, so. he's not. Who cares? All right. College basketball. Do you think the Mountain West can get three teams in the NCAA tournament? No chance. So Mike DeCourcy of Fox. Yeah, I was surprised at this. He has out bracketology, January 5th bracketology, Colorado State, and is a six seed. They're still undefeated, even if they haven't played in a while. Uh, San Diego State, and is an 11 seed, and the Wyoming Cowboys in as a 12 seed play-in team they to the NCAA tournament. Nobody. There is no way that you no. can even project Wyoming into the NCAA no. tournament right now. They have no chance. They have no, they've played nobody. They are 11 and two, which is a, a fun record. Um, they are 0 and two against teams in the top 100. Their best win this year is Northern Iowa, who ranks 120th in Ken Palm. And just to give you some context here, UNLV has a win against a team that's ranked higher than Northern Iowa, and that's Cal in the first game or second game of the season. Like, the only difference in Wyoming and UNLV right now is that UNLV played more good teams. Right. Like, both of these teams have beat all of the teams outside the top 100 that they have played. Wyoming has not beaten one team that matters. Right. And neither is UNLV. But right. UNLV played five teams that matter. Wyoming played two. And that's... And they lost them. That's it. And here's the thing. UNLV has no NCAA tournament hopes. Wyoming should have no NCAA tournament hopes either. I mean, I guess if they, like, go undefeated in Mountain West play, then they're going to be, a, you know, 30-2. and two, And, yeah, 30-2 and two is going to get in. But, like, how the hell is Wyoming in anybody's when bracketology? I, when I saw Mike do this, I, I was shocked. Now, this is what I think will happen. Colorado State will win the regular season because they'll play three games because no one's playing any games in this league anymore, it appears. Uh, the best they have is Colorado State gets in and someone else wins the conference tournament. That's the best That's yeah. the best option they have. Yeah. I don't even think San Diego State, if they finish second, they'll have, well, if they could beat Colorado State, that's another one over a top 100 team. Boise's probably in the top 100. You know, So you can get three or four top 100 wins in your conference. But So if, if he has San Diego State as an 11, they're, the last, they're one of the last four in. Before the play-ins so at this point. San Diego State right now, uh, they do have a good win over St. Mary's. So they do have one one of the best wins in the Mountain West is their win over St. Yes. Mary's. They lost their other three games against good teams, though. BYU, USC, and, and Michigan. So And two of them weren't even close, right? right? So... Here's my problem with San Diego State. They're, they're 42nd in Ken Palm. Like, they're going to be a good team. They're just so bad on offense. I can't envision them winning 14 Mountain West games. Well, they're not going to play. They might not play 14. But no. if they played a full 18-game schedule, I'd have a hard time seeing them winning 14 of those, right? Because they're just not good enough offensively. They're going to play so many games like they just played against UNLV where it's in the high 50s, low yeah. 60s, and they're just not good enough offensively to win them all. And so they're probably going to end up, you know, winning 11 Mountain West games, and that's not going to be good enough. I'm actually a little surprised that Wyoming would be the third team and not Boise State because Boise State, Boise State has a bad loss this year. They lost to uh, Bakersfield 46 to 39. That stands out. And Bakersfield is very bad this year. That is a very, very bad team. But 
They already have three top 100 wins this year, right? They're 10 and four. Like they've got another win over Ole Miss, who's 104. Like they have a much better resume than Wyoming. Than Wyoming does, right. even though they've got that bad loss. They've got a much better resume than Wyoming does. So Boise State to me has a better shot because if Boise State wins again, they're not going to play them all. But if Boise State were to have gone 13 and five or something in the Mountain West or even 12 and six. They're going to be on the bubble because they'll pick up a few more quality wins if you go 12 and six, and they've got some in non conference play. They're probably on the outside, but they've got a much better shot than Wyoming does. I was, I was stunned to see that. So I think you're right. Colorado State's probably going to be good enough to get in. They'll get in. Right. As long as, you know, they come back from this pause and don't fall right. off the face of the earth. Right. They're probably going to be good enough to get in as an at large. And then we're going to have San Diego State, Boise State probably those two teams are going to be like on the bubble, but my guess is they're going to be on the outside looking in and it's going to take them winning the mountain West tournament or anybody winning the mountain West tournament to get in. But let me ask you this. I think it's pretty likely somebody not named Colorado state wins the mountain West tournament. That's what I'm saying. I think so too. Like, I think like, between like, again, Wyoming doesn't have an NCAA tournament case, but so far they've been impressive based on what we thought. Like Wyoming, Boise state, San Diego state, Fresno State. I mean, I know Utah State lost to Air Force, but Utah State, like there's a bunch of solid Mountain West teams. Again, not NCAA tournament level, but there's a bunch of good Mountain West teams that it's not that hard to see one of those two teams winning three games in three days. San Diego State's been so good in the conference tournament, but like you said, if this is their offense this year, how can you win three straight? Can you defend that well for three straight games and win three straight games 62 to 60? It's hard to see that, especially when... And they are really good when it comes to conference tournament time. They usually win the thing. Right. It's hard to see it when, you know, a team like Utah State could just drain 12 threes in a game. And And you can't catch up. All right. Right. San Diego State's not getting 70, so this game is over. So, yeah, I just... I have a hard time seeing three. If it's three, you're going to have to have San Diego State and Boise State have really good conference seasons here and Colorado State actually come back and play a game. Coming up next. I was just going to say Colorado State came off its pause and won last night. Oh, they did play last. Oh, that's right. They They did play last night. That's right. Yeah. Finally, somebody beat Air Force. (laughs) Didn't score 40 (laughs) points against Air Force. Force Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. The man does not like pie or syrup on his pancakes. No clue why we're talking to him, but it is time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Hello, Jason. Hey, Jason. I am I am shook at y'all. Like I'm used to like you know, for anyone that doesn't know when you call in, you get to hear the last ad. The fact is that I love every second of so easy you can do it in your underwear, like that's brilliant writing. I don't know who wrote the jingle, but man, standing ovation. I'm cracking up. Well done by that. I'm all in. I'm all in. All right. Um, do you believe in the Raiders? Like, is this team actually going to make the playoffs? Look, this has nothing. Let's be real. This has nothing to do with the, the Raiders. This has everything to do with me. Do I believe I'm allowed <laughs> to have nice things like the Raiders make the playoffs? No. I mean, I, I sat here. Y'all like, I had this moment. I think I'm speaking on behalf of every Raiders fan. I had this moment at the end of the first half where I was looking at my hand and my, my grip on my phone, my knuckles were white, and I was just trying to talk myself off of throwing it through the window in my house. And living in Connecticut, I had to do a whole cost analysis of how long it would take to get the window fixed, how much it would cost to replace the window and the phone, 
as I put my, my phone down on the coffee table and tried to find something else to throw. I couldn't. This is what it's like every single Sunday when we watch these games. I believe that the Raiders are fully capable of beating the Chargers on Sunday. I'm just not sure the football gods want me to have something that nice. I, that, this is about me, not them. The I football suddenly, gods I, gave you Nick Mullins. Andrew I mean, Luck. Yeah, Andrew Luck. And Carson Wentz. What do you mean? The football gods are smiling on the Raiders. No, no, because none of it's been easy along the way. Like, what the football gods <laughs> are doing is they're giving me just a little piece of cheese, and I'm just the rat going further into the maze. And now they're going to be like, sorry, here's the trap. You know, it, this, is, this is the way I get hurt. Uh, but I will say this, for, for everybody that's, that's talked about the first matchup, I don't think you can, you can compare the two teams. They're so different today to where they were then. And the major difference that's happened over the last three or four weeks offensively has been the offensive line has played much better. And I know this is going to be a big challenge for them, but frankly, the Colts have one of the better defenses in the AFC. And this offensive line held up really well against them. So, you know, what we saw in the first game was massive disruption from the get-go. And, you know, we all know the Bosa quotes about Carr, but we saw a little of that in this first game. The question is, can the offensive line and the running backs particularly continue to find ways to chip and keep him upright? Because they did a great job against that, against a better Colts defense than the, the Chargers have. Can they beat the best of Justin Herbert if that's what you get? Man, that's a great question because the best of Justin Herbert is really stinking good. I, they're going to have, like, this is where it gets difficult because I'm presuming that we're going to get the best of Justin Herbert. Uh, he's turned out to be a much better player than I thought he would be. That means I think it's going to take 28 points to win this game, could take 30 points to win this mm. game. This offense hasn't been able to do anything <laughs> in that realm, you know, so I, I think that's a little bit scary. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, if they get the best of Justin Herbert, I think this is a frustrating game. The question is, can this defense, which has been so much better than we expected, can this defense find a way to not allow him to go off? And, you know, that's the one, the one thing I'll say is that the Raiders' defense has done such a good job now of reinventing every drive. And what I mean by that is, like, so Jonathan Taylor had the one drive where he went off, and we're used to seeing the defense sort of crumble after that. And, and it's been the case in most games where there's a drive where the defense goes off, or the offense of the other team, I should say, goes off. We've seen the defense come out fresh and say, okay, that was one drive. We're not going to let that turn into the game. They're going to have to have that sort of memory because the Chargers have a dynamic offense. They can obviously score at will when they want to. All right, help me out with Derek Carr here because we have seen now for like three straight weeks, and honestly, we've seen it throughout this season and a lot of his career, where he's not good for large portions of games. Like he's had two turnovers in each of the last three games, but yet he'll have two drives a game where he's spectacular. I mean, the, the game-winning throw to Hunter Renfro is like one of the best plays he's probably made in his career to avoid the rush, step up, and make that throw. How the hell am I supposed to evaluate or give credit or not give credit to a quarterback who's like bad for 75% of the game, but awesome for the other two drives? I think this comes back, back to the, the, I think the book on car is really simple and everybody makes it really complicated. The book on car is when he has comfort with somebody, he can be great with somebody. We saw, you know, I always use Amari and, and Crabtree is the year that we saw him comfort with two wide receivers. And what we see is that when he gets comfortable, he locks in on guys and he zeroes in on guys. So early in the game, he's got so much comfort. We saw a first drive where he came back and like it looked like he was going to be ready to slice his dice. The problem is the Chargers made a bunch of adjustments. It got tougher for guys to get open. And then all of a sudden what you saw was Carr then have to use more of the field when he's trying to figure out who to throw the ball to. And 
you know, the, the the timing with Deshaun is not good. Like the the one deep throw that was picked was an underthrow. Carr should have put more air behind it, and then got lucky on another throw that he was trying to force in there. So you know, the thing for Carr is that he gets locked in. So the question is, can the guys that he's locked into find a way to win the matchups? And when you're locked into Hunter Renfro, that also means you're going to need more time because. Hunter Renfro is a slot receiver that takes a second to get open because he runs 52 routes in one. It's one of the beautiful things about watching him work, but that takes a little more time. So more things have to go right when you're locked into guys like Hunter than have to go right when you're locked in with a speedy, amazing number one wide receiver that is just running a go route and you just got to fling it up in the air. So I think the way you can make sense of it is you just realize that Carr is going right now. He is comfortable with Hunter Renfro. He is comfortable with Darren Waller if Waller is back and he is at times comfortable with Zay Jones. He's not comfortable with anybody else in this offense. So if the ball is going to anybody but those guys, then it's going to be 50-50, and we have no idea how that's going to play out. The lucky thing is the defense has been able to survive that from Carr, but that's why I think it's imperative. If, you, if, if Carr is going to be the future for the Raiders moving forward, I don't think that that's you know, everybody makes it all or nothing with him. I think the Raiders can absolutely win Super Bowls with Derek Carr. But they can't win Super Bowls with Derek Carr unless they have a wide receiver core that is full of guys that he can get really comfortable with that stay healthy, that stay on the field. Okay, so we were talking about this yesterday. Is Hunter Renfro good enough to be a one, or do they have to go get a one in the offseason? They go get a one. Uh, you know, I mean, this is where, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just throw this out because Harry Douglas, who I, I was railing on Twitter this morning because I saw him say he wants the Chargers to win. <laughs> Harry Douglas has worked out a bunch with uh, Devontae Adams and, uh, Harry and I are particularly close, and he's the one that, that, you know, a month ago, it's like I'm telling you, Devontae and Carr are so close, they want to play together. He thinks that's real. And you, you, what the, the real situation for Hunter Renfro is you make Hunter Renfro a slot receiver, a la Julian Edelman, uh, Wes Welker, he's going to be able to feast for a generation, and he's going to get paid doing it. Like, the, the, the Raiders have a, a decade-long type answer at wide receiver. They have a decade-long type answer at tight end. They need a number one. And this has been the biggest difference in this offense. It's part of the reason the offense has had a tougher time getting anything going is they just don't have that guy that everybody's worried about, you know, going up top. And we know, we all know why. But if I'm the Raiders, I'm aggressively looking at finding a number one. This is the guy wide receiver, whether it's Devontae Adams in free agency or whether you're going to let the draft board fall to you and take the best receiver available, that's the path that makes this offense incredibly dynamic next year. By best receiver available, you mean like the guy who's a third-round pick they take in the first round? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the guy that uh, <laughs> I've never shied away from it. We, there was one pick last year in the entire NFL draft. One pick, I, I covered all seven rounds for ESPN digitally and on radio. We had over 7 million viewers to the first round of the NFL draft. Proud of what we did. There's only one pick in the entire draft, all seven rounds, where they got in my ears and they said, hold, we got to stall here. We don't have any B-roll of this guy. We don't have any footage of this guy. We weren't ready for this guy. That's Alex Lemon. And, you know, that, that's, just, that's real, y'all. Like, I, that, that's, nobody saw that one. So, so the, the nice news is that the guy they were ready for that I was ready for was Mary, and he turned out to play like the first-round pick he should have been. So – there you go. There, there's my, my poly positivity. But I am fully prepared for the Raiders to take, you know, a fifth-round center in the first round and then trade up to take a third-round wide receiver. That's why I drink. Fill time. Fill time. We have no idea who this person is. Fill time. Yeah, that's real. Uh, that is real. To, the minute the season ends, no matter what it is, they announce Jim Harbaugh as a coach of UK with it. There's nobody else interviewed. It's just Jim Harbaugh. 
Well, uh, Rudy Rule, let's remember. Uh, right. The right. They'd have to. But, around it. Yeah, yeah, they'd have to. But, but if it's Jim Harbaugh, like right now, they go, uh, you know, behind the scenes, like, all right, we're going to get Jim and we'll just do the Rooney Rule just so you have to. Yeah. I, I, I understand it. And, I, you know, here's the thing. I hope that the Raiders make the playoffs. I hope Versace keeps the job because we have no idea if he actually, like he hasn't coached in a normal year, but he's kept chaos together. Uh, would I be stunned if Harbaugh was the guy? No. We all know the, the relationship between Mark Davis and Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh took a pay cut going into last season uh, just to get them, so just to get the Michigan people off his back. And you can say what you want, but he took over a Michigan team that was not good and not relevant, and he made them both. Maybe not national champion good, but he made them relevant, and he made them good enough to be in contention every year. And look at the quick turnaround for San Francisco. But most importantly, I do think that there's a very real element. You all know this. Like, you can't be in Vegas and not have a billboard, right? Like, who's the, who's the advertising person that they're going to say, come see the Raiders next year with? And, you know, for the last several years, that has been John Gruden. For obvious reasons, it is not anymore. And I have no idea if it even can be Derek Carr, if he's that guy. Max Crosby, as much as I love him as a player, is he the guy that's going to make the entire city of Las Vegas flock to have interest in the Raiders? And that's where the college mentality says, if you need a billboard, you need a coach. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh is one of those that, while he wears out his welcome quickly where he goes, he can coach, and he has made everything he's ever coached relevant. And I do believe that Mark Davis, look, look at the aces. They didn't need a coach, and they went out and they gave the biggest money ever to Becky Hammond to come in, the big-name coach hire for the Las Vegas Aces. I think Mark, Mark Davis understands the need for a billboard, understands the need for a coach he can trust, understands the need for a name. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I would not be surprised at all to see it happen. You're telling me you can't put A.J. Cole on a billboard? He just signed a long-term well, deal. Daniel Carlson, I mean, he keeps being AFC Player of the Week. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they would look great, but with, you know what, what we do is we put them on a with tuxedos on and we convince everybody it's a magic act down at the Flamingo and bam, we got it figured out. You know, Cole and Carlson live at the drop. You know, I'm, 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 I'm helping everybody market here. All right. Uh, before we let you go, Alabama, Georgia, who you got? Uh, I got Alabama because I'm afraid to bet against Nick Saban, but I will say this. Here's one. There, there are two things for everybody to watch. Number one, uh, when Georgia blitzed Bryce Young, his completion percentage dropped to below 40% at the SEC championship game. Nobody can figure out why Georgia didn't blitz more, but I guarantee you they will this time. I think Georgia thought they could get there with their front four, and they just didn't. So I would say that they're going to absolutely try and wreck Bryce Young and wreck his timing, especially without Mechie. So I think it's a much more competitive game. They will do that. But these are two evenly matched teams on the field, which means it comes down to coaching, and I'm never going to trust Kirby Smart over Nick Saban for anything. The other thing, too, for Raiders fans is keep an eye on Jordan Davis. He's going to get a ton of publicity this week. He should get a ton of publicity. If you look at most mock drafts, he's a guy that falls around the middle to late first round. He is a massive, massive physical specimen as a defensive tackle. I don't think he'll be available when the Raiders pick, but every mock draft I see says he will be, and if he is, the Raiders would be dumb not to pick him up. He's, He's an absolute superstar player in the interior defensive line. Well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you guys. Don't don't throw that phone through any windows. Well, that's you over there. I know. I was going to say, boy, I suddenly feel good about watching the Dodgers. So, all right, he brings up a good point. If you're a Raiders fan, pay attention to the national championship game because he says Jordan Davis, whatever. If Mike Mayock stays the GM, they'll be drafting from this game for the next four years.
Every well, pick, yes, they, every yes. pick they take will have yes. played in this game yes. for the and next. And usually they'll years. play for Alabama because Alabama's yes. in this game every year. Yes, this this is going to be just like the Alabama Clemson game from like four years right. ago, where the Raiders have there's like five guys on yes. the team that played in that one game. This might be the next one if Mike Mayock sticks around. All of the Raiders' future draft picks will be in this, are game. In this game. Coming up next, John Mooden. John Mooden. John Madden doesn't want you to poop. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Remember when we talked about the Rams and them yes. being mad about porta potty pooping? And blaming the media. That's right. So we got a story from Matt Millen about John Madden and his bus. Here's what Matt Millen said. Madden was known for having three rules for his football players. Be on time, pay attention, and play like hell when I tell you to. He had lesser-known rules for his bus passengers. Nobody takes a dump. (laughs) 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 Only three people broke the rule in all of Madden's years of busing. According to Millen, they were Fox producer Richie Zients, Matt Millen, and Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky took a dump on the bus. Uh, Millen says he would always bring that up. Somehow Wayne Gretzky got a pass. <laughs> That's Wayne Gretzky. Richie and I bore the brunt, but in particular it was me because I broke the rule a block away from the hotel. He always said he had to carry that turd around the rest of the country. <laughs> so is John Madden reasonable? If you drive around the country in a bus going from game to game, is it a reasonable rule to say nobody else can poop on my bus? I mean, it's his bus. I don't know if it's very reasonable. How how, how far in between the games? That, I think, is so. I mean, Matt Millen a, gives us a very a important way. detail. He was a block away from the hotel. Yeah. Now, I get mad at that, but if yes. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Right, you're driving through I got Kansas. Hours, like you coming from Mississippi, yes. driving 12 hours a night, but you're in a bus. I Okay, I'm going to give you the uh, leeway there. Yes, if you're in the middle of Kansas driving right. from Green Bay to uh, L.A. or something right. like that. Sorry. Okay. Jared, what are you about to say? Pull over and poop on the side of the road? I was just, no, what I was, well, actually, kind of. (laughs) I've been on enough buses where it's like the one person who goes, all right, I'm using the bathroom. Everyone hates that guy. Yeah, that's fine. But if you got to go and you're in the middle of Kansas, you got to go. Now you're a block away from the hotel. You should have gone before we left. Uh, Sure, I got it. (laughs) But we're driving from Green Bay to L.A. How many times have you yelled that at your kids, Well, <laughs> thankfully not recently. <laughs> <laughs> so Wayne Gretzky, I am curious about the Wayne Gretzky situation, though. Like well, Wayne Gretzky Wayne comes Gretzky. on the bus. First off, why is he there? Are you just interviewing Wayne? Well, Gretzky? second of all, how with if Gretzky's there, how far in between places are you? Is he literally taking right. some like eight day tour to get to the next stop? I mean, maybe is what's what yeah. Wayne Gretzky got to do nowadays? But I mean, yeah, that's a. Uh, that that's an interesting one. I would have thought he would have just come on to see the bus. And would like chat you for a few minutes? Would you have pooped on John Madden's bus again? How far they are blame we? the media for everything? No, yes. no. Like, I'm how just, far are we? You're not you're not riding across the country. You're John Madden's in the city and he's around Vegas. He's interviewing you or something. Has he told me it's a rule? No, you don't know it's a rule. You just are well, you, it's 50-50 oh, at that okay. point. Okay, <laughs> and see, I was thinking he knows it's a rule. Oh, and he's like. All right, no. Adam Hill. This is you distract him. <laughs> no, if it's a rule and we're just throwing around the city, I'd probably uh, pass on that part. But if we're like you said, if I'm in the middle of Kansas 
And I know we have eight hours to go, and old Johnny doesn't want to pull over like at the next, you know, rest stop. Then I'm saying, hey, John, I'm sorry. Come Do you on. think he announced it to people? Like, you get on the I bus got one for rule the first and one time. rule well, only. I mean, and he's if not, like, how, how did Millen know? Well, he pooped in the <laughs> he bus. He made the mistake. <laughs> he made the mistake. John Madden made the rule after Matt Millen, apparently. <laughs> but I'm just like, you get it. Like, obviously, if you're on the bus regularly with John Madden, eventually you're going to be like, oh, yeah, he doesn't want me to poop here. But, like, you got, like Wayne Gretzky, I imagine, wasn't on this bus more than one time, right? Right. I Wayne Gretzky steps on the bus. Does John Madden say, hey, Wayne, no pooping? Or <laughs> I just want to know how far Gretzky drove. I, I imagine they were in whatever city Gretzky was in at the time. And they were like, hey, Wayne Gretzky, he's around. You want to talk? Of course. <laughs> sure, bring him on. I got to poop first, John. Where are you going, Wayne? <laughs>